I am the god of shits and wine. You seem rather drunk. I drink and I know things. Welcome back to another episode of Small Council Radio. This is Extra Shots with your master of drinks, Cyrus Moore. Again, it seems like I'm saying this a lot in my episodes recently. It's been a little while since my last episode, and I kind of touched on it a little bit on Discord that uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of feeling a little down with the lack of patch. You know, where patch? Where's this patch at? I'm hoping it's coming soon. Uh, a lot of my show ideas revolve around when this patch hits. You know, talking about the new meta and the new changes and the new units and the new buyer's guides that I'm hoping to do. But before we get too far into that, let's start this show off right. We are drinking a Stockyards Brewing Company, Cerveza Royale. And that is not a half bad beer. That is the first time I've had this particular one. And uh, let me tell you, it's pretty good. Brewed right here in Kansas City. So, with that out of the way, we have a very special guest on this episode. The newly crowned king of LVO, Mr. Kurt Pucci. Welcome to the show, Kurt. Hello, Cyrus. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. It's uh it's always a pleasure to have uh newly crowned royalty here on the show. Uh <laughs> you you went out to Vegas and uh you uh cleaned house with your your dirty dirty Baratheons, didn't you? Um yeah, I, I guess you could say that. Um I went 5 and 0, um which was yeah. It was it's it's pretty nice. <laughs> yep. Uh yeah, that's uh, that's a really good showing out there. I, I imagine there's a pretty tough competition. Uh, so I, I kind of wanted to hear from you what your experience was like out there. Uh, you had been to LVO before, I think, last year, hadn't you? Yeah, um, I went to LVO the year before, and I I had a middling performance last year. I went three and two, um, and I finished somewhere in the middle of the pack, you know, and. Um, so I kind of expected the same. You know, I went in wanting to do well, um, but I, I definitely wasn't, like, confident I was going to end up being number one. Um, so I was, I was certainly happy with my performance, and uh, it's a certain improvement from the year prior. Oh, for sure. I mean, a middling finish is, is you know, typically what will happen. Uh, it's 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 rare for you to end up bring bringing up the rear end of a tournament, and uh, sometimes depending on who you are, it's rare to you know finish at the top. So if if you go in and end up with a middling performance, then you know you're not you're not too happy or too upset. But when you follow that up with a tournament win, I could imagine that's a that's a pretty good feeling, especially when you're surrounded by. You know, uh, how many people were there? What, uh, 30 plus, almost 40? Uh, that 39. Many, that, yeah, that number of your peers around you and you're able to pull out a victory. Uh, that is a, that's a pretty solid feeling. 
yeah, uh, there was certainly a, a, a large field with many, many skilled players. Um, it was a two-day event. Uh, there were three matches on the first day and two matches on the second day with the potential for a sixth round, depending on how many undefeated players we had after round four. Um, we didn't end up having to go to that sixth round because Ilya lost in round four, so the fifth round was the final round. Uh, Two-day events. Um, I mean, you went to Gen Con with me earlier this year, Cyrus. You know how mm-hmm. grueling a two-day event can be. <laughs> For sure. For sure. And and I'm I'm disappointed I wasn't able to make a Delvio this year. I uh, got personal things, you know, that come up and just life just kind of gets in the way. You don't get to go to these events like you want to. But you and a few other Kansas Cityans ended up making the trip out there and, and representing the, the Kansas City scene. Uh, so how would you describe uh, the trip out there with uh, with the Kansas City folks? Yeah, we uh, we'd originally planned on a party of four. Um, unfortunately, our fourth guy... Micah came down with a fever the night before the trip, so he had to drop out. He's horrible uh, timing. Right. I feel so bad for him. Um, He's a really good player, beats me routinely. Um, I'd said on the Discord forums leading up to the event that I actually thought he was going to win the whole thing. So felt really bad when he had to drop out. But, uh, no, the other two guys, uh, Ryan Drake and uh, Brandon Page, went out with me and this was like the first like big event for them that they'd been to. So it was a real treat um, getting, getting to see their um, kind of wide eyed as they <laughs> take on an event of this size. I uh, to try to like ease them into it. I, I, I pull, I, I pulled up a scene from, uh, from Hoosiers. Um, it's a basketball movie for those that don't know. And there's a famous scene where they, uh, the small town team is going to go play the state championship and this gymnasium is just huge and it feels like it feels like it's bigger and the coach has them measure the the uh the basketball rim to show that it's still the same size as their home court back home so as to not feel uh intimidated on a on a larger stage uh so i, I think i think they did pretty well um considering any he, any uh, anxieties they might have had going in. Uh, Ryan went three and two, and Brandon went two and three, and I think they ended up right next to each other in the final standings. Yeah, that uh, that kind of middling finish that uh, that I mentioned at the at the start of the show that that's you know more typical than either of the two extremes, uh, but still still quality. I mean, they they went out there, and I know that they had a good time and. Uh, you're all able to to celebrate your victory together, which I do need to mention that that since you brought up uh, the your prediction for the tournament, that I did predict that Baratheons would win the tournament. I said pin this. <laughs> you and did. Thank you very much for making me correct. Uh, now, obviously, that's, uh, I, that's what I set out to do, Cyrus, was to prove no, you right. <laughs> obvi- obviously, I didn't think that you were going to do it. I don't think you're that great. <laughs> But I thought that Baratheons were going to carry the day. Uh, it was but, uh, uh, it was it was certainly a good feeling to finally have Baratheons win a major event. Um, yeah, because they they kind of came close. They finished what top five at uh, at uh, nationals mm-hmm. at Gen Con. Uh, I think Fang finished fourth overall. Or yeah, I don't think him and Ilya ever had a 
played a game to determine like third place, but uh, mm-hmm. I think that's where he was in the standings um, in terms of secondary points and points destroyed and whatever the tiebreakers were. Um, yeah, I think that Baratheons were in that spot where they were the always the bridesmaid, but never the bride. They would have you know pretty strong you know showings and and uh, and and finishes. But they wouldn't be right up at the top. They'd always get pushed out by you know Mance or Night's Watch mm-hmm. or you know maybe the the lucky Lannister. Well, uh, speaking of Gen Con, like I know there were a good number of us that made top cut for day two, but I think all of us except for Fang got knocked out the very first round of day two. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was certainly nice to see Rathians finally come away with the win for once. Uh, I never expected that it would have been me to do it, but I am happy to have uh seen that accomplishment well you've had some pretty decent success here recently i think you had a high finish when you went to the pittsburgh tournament um last year was that yeah that was for my um to get my invite to nationals because nationals Mm -hmm. had an invite system i finished second to uh lord commander bob and his night's watch uh played him at the top table and He's he's no slouch. <laughs> I'll put it at that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but you've uh, yeah you've been doing really well here lately. Uh, you you know had that uh, turnout. You did uh, pretty well at nationals. You won our uh, most recent local event, uh, securing your Baratheon sword. I know you were very proud of that. Yes, yes, we we do. Um, we have um these special swords made up for each faction for our local tournaments, and once someone wins a tournament with said faction, they get that faction sword. So I was very happy to secure the Baratheon sword before someone could uh, yank it out from under me. (laughs) I know you'd wanted that Night's Watch sword, but you ended up getting the Lannister sword. I got the Lannister sword, which I'm I'm slowly devolving more into a Lannister main than anything. Uh, I mentioned on Discord a couple weeks ago that I'm just not having as much fun playing Night's Watch as I used to. The list building's not fun. The play style's not that fun. Uh, they have you know really powerful effects and abilities and such, but the the there's more versatility and and some more uh, depth to the Lannister play than there is a Night's Watch. So I'm I'm kind of leaning I'm kind of leaning Lannister. Yeah, I, I know that's kind of been an issue for a long time for Night's Watch with so many units set at the seven point uh, range that uh it's kind of always been somewhat difficult list building for them. I'm going to look at the tournament to see how the factions did. Because so, I know, I know there were a couple. Twenty-six percent Martells, eighteen percent Baratheons, thirteen percent Lancer, thirteen percent Stark. Um, there's only one Targaryen player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greyjoys and Nights Watch were ten percent each, and Free Folk were eight percent. So. The top uh, ten went Baratheon, Martell, Baratheon, Martell, Free Folk, Free Folk, Night's Watch, Martell, Greyjoy, and then there's a Lannister. So I was going to say that Lannisters might have did well, but they uh, only got to tenth. Yeah, they had a sixty percent win rate overall. Yeah, yeah, but uh, that's uh, that's a pretty strong showing at the top. I mean, top four: mm-hmm. Baratheon, Martell, Baratheon, Martell. Yeah. That uh, that tells you. I mean, they were able to supplant the uh, the free folk Mance players, uh, which is nice to see. Um, you, you hate uh, for free folk to run away with 
the uh the all the tournaments that they appear in. So yeah, and I know free folk have had strong showings at yeah. the LGT, at French Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they, they were they were the highest win rate at the tournament as a whole with a sixty nine percent win rate, but I know my final match against Rhett, um, who was running Mance in the finals, I know losing that game I think dropped him all the way to fifth place. Um, in terms of final standings, mm-hmm. which is always rough when you make it to the final table, you <laughs> yeah. figure you'd be like first or second. That uh, that happened to me at uh, two nationals ago. I made top table and I lost, and it was only a narrow loss, and that still dropped me down to I think third or fourth, which was uh, which was rather disappointing. Yeah. All right, so. I think you've already discussed your uh, lists, and uh, I think just about everybody has looked to see what you might have been running. So we don't really need to go too in depth on what your lists were, but you can give us kind of a general idea of what you were going for with each of them. Yeah. So my my first list, which is the only list I ran the whole tournament, um, was just a list I've been running for quite some time. I'd formerly been running two double light bringers. Um, and I'd, I'd said before, I, I was kind of wanting something else to do with those six points, and I just couldn't quite make up my mind if I wanted those to be to, to remain as Lightbringers or to be Relore Faithful. Um, but then we got those new Baratheon Hero Boxes, and uh, I saw that Justin Massey attachment, and I said, you know, I want to I make that work. I went on stats, and Carlos said, two-point attachment, no good. And I said, you know what? I'm going to see if I can't do something with that. Um, and I'd like to think that I did. Uh, sticking him in Stormcrow Mercs to get the discount. Um, the second list I had was a double Champions of the Stag list. And I specifically made it a double Champions of the Stag list because I know that's something that gets a lot of discussion. It, it, it draws a lot of attention. Oh, I discuss it. <laughs> I definitely I, discuss uh, it. It, it, it. It certainly yeah, people people think about it a lot. Um, and I'd run a, I'd run double champs at Pittsburgh, so this whole the whole second list was just more or less a bluff. And I'd gotten the idea of making the second list not a list I'd ever intended to run, but just to scare people with to make them think I might run it. I'd gotten that idea from Craig, who was the champion at LVO from the year before when he had a Mother of Dragons list that he never really seriously intended to run. I think he ran it once due to peer pressure, but outside of that, it's like he was always going to run his Drogo list, and he knew that going in. So kind of a mind game there, but also a way to just really focus in on one list, know what you're doing with that list, and, and... remove at least one decision where you could possibly make a mistake at a tournament full of hard decisions, um, at least not having to choose between one list or another list and just simplify things just a little bit. Yeah, I, I totally agree. you got to get your repetitions in with whatever you plan on playing competitively. That's uh, one of the th- problems that I've actually run into is I'll bounce around a little bit. You know, I'll play Starks here, and then I'll play Night's Watch, and then I'll play Lannisters, and then, oh, let me try the Baratheons again. And you just don't get those reps with whatever you're playing, and that's what happened to me 
you know, the last major tournament that I played at was Nationals last year. And, you know, I just thought I was going to bring Baratheons without putting the reps in, and it, it failed miserably for me. Uh, I know that Stannis list that you ran, uh, the Stannis Queensmen, and that template is something that you tend to really stick to and you really honed in on. And I'd say it definitely worked out for you at this tournament. I mean, uh, I think it was the very same list I ran at our last local tournament, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And the only change recently, like you said, was the addition of the uh, Heroes Box 3, throwing in uh, Massey and and Patchface. And just those are really strong additions to to add into what you even had before. So, yeah, I think the list is really solid, and not only is it important to you know have a solid list, but to be so familiar with it that you can anticipate and and see things develop and know how to respond to them throughout the game. Yeah, um, I'm sure that like really good players can take two lists no problem and have both you know n- know it like the back of their hand. I. Uh, and and therefore account for more things they might run into. I know Carlo is probably judging me so hard for just having one list, um, but uh, I, I guess I just don't stick myself in that tier that echelon of player yet. <laughs> I got one list and I know what I'm doing with it. You know, and that's I mean sometimes I mean you've proved it that sometimes that's all you need, and and Craig's proved it too, like you said, because uh, that is an absolutely. Uh, that's absolutely true. A tactic that he would do, uh, just have that that bluff list that make you think, and and it would prevent you from running something that might counter his main list. Just just that threat of mm-hmm. of him potentially choosing it. Now, uh, once that you know, that that jig is up, once everybody figures that out. But uh, uh, in this situation, uh, I think uh, I think you you were able to be successful with it. Yeah, it worked out for me this time. So we were all keeping tabs on on the tournament here, uh, everyone that couldn't make it and everyone that was really interested in how it went. I mean, there's all kinds of conversation throughout the discords of you know how it was going and, and excitement and things. And we were, I was watching uh, your progress and you just, you just kept winning. And I wasn't able to to get into each individual game, but the one thing, the one that I knew, uh, the particular matchup and what would you you would be facing was the the finals, the top table, and I heard that you were going to be facing Mance and Free Folk of all things. Uh, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. But yeah. uh, but you were you were still able to pull it out against uh, against the big uh, the big boogeyman of the game. Uh, storybook uh, ending couldn't have asked for you know a better opponent to be my um, a- I guess antagonist you know um, but Mance you know the big bad yeah um, big shout out to the Sunday Slaughter guys for um, the job they did streaming uh, as many of those games as they could including the finals so sometimes in a tournament uh, you'll be playing and I remember uh at nationals uh, two years ago i had just this this uh slaughterer's row of opponents like right in a row my last three games of the nationals tournament was chris tran 
John Hurley, who is a tre- tremendous dark player, and then Brett Lanfer at top table with his Night's Watch. Uh, now, all three of those were tough games, but the closest one was my game against Chris Trant, the one that everything was riding on a knife's edge. It could go either way, and I ended up pulling it off at the end. Uh, was there any game throughout your, your five games that you played that were, were really super close and you were riding that knife's edge and ended up being a really tough match? Yeah, um, let's see. I'd say I kind of had a similar path where it would get continuously harder um, as I kept winning. Um, I know like a popular thing to talk about is like, oh, you submarine, but I don't think you can finish first overall. I was only able to get to top table because I was undefeated. Um, so the first round I faced off against Greyjoys, and um, I managed to, there was a really scary uh, Victorian Iron Makers and a unit of silenced men with Carl, and I didn't want to let Carl get in and expert duelist my Stannis, so I was definitely hanging back a bit in that game um, and just trying to soften those units up with shots from Lightbringers and um, panic checks from Melisandre before I could could commit because I didn't want to lose my commander too early. Um, so that was a good first match to kind of kick get things started off. Uh, my opponent in round one, his name was Sean. Um, he was a great opponent. Um, round two, I faced Connor running Lannisters, and he had a triple warrior sun list with double champions of the faith and adam Marbrand, and i knew looking at that list i was not going to win through combat through victory through combat so i just made a point to play the heck out of the mission on that one and escape despite losing more units uh to pull out the win just by focusing on the mission uh he he did a great job and I think he had a very strong finish to the tournament, too. Um, Definitely gave me a scare. (sighs) Round three of day one was against John Waite running Harmon Uller Martells. And that might have been... It's hard to say. That was was a tough matchup. I had had prevented Doran NCU from scoring... And I had a nice lead, and we had finished our round, and I think we had the option to stop, but he asked if I would agree to go one more round. And I was looking at the state of the table. I had had a pretty nice lead from killing a couple units, and I said, you know what, yeah, I'll go another round because I saw another unit I could probably kill and get more unit destroyed points, thinking that might help me later in the tournament. Um... That ended up being a big mistake. <laughs> he scored uh, he scored two additional points off of Doran NCU because we went an extra round, and his unit of Vipers, Dune Vipers, killed two of my units in that extra round before I was able to finally kill those Vipers myself. So he ended up closing the gap, and we tied in victory points and had to go to tiebreakers on to uh, units destroyed. So I still managed to win, but I almost threw my win away. Um, great job by John Waite in uh, making it close. 
gave me a scare there. <laughs> um, so that was day one. And I, I, you know, I felt like it had gotten harder each and every round. So I was thinking like, for sure, my luck was up, you know, round four was going to be a killer. Um, but I got a bit of a lucky break, not to say that the opponent was poor in any way. Um, I, I played Leica in round four and he was running Martel's as well. Um, but my buddy Stefan had played him the day before and had told me about how he had uh, this unit with Oberyn and then through tactical reposition and cunning ploy had kind of surprised him by throwing Oberyn, shooting him up the flank and outflanking Stefan's um, blademan and taking his blademan out. So I kind of knew going in what Leica's game plan was and knowing what he was intending to do, I just focused everything I had um, using utilizing Mel- Melisandre NCU to try to soften up Oberyn's unit as much as possible because I knew, based on what Stefan had told me, that Leica was probably going to be aggressive with Oberyn. And uh, that ended up working out to my favor. I was able to isolate and eliminate Oberyn, and that really tipped things in my favor in round four which then got me to round five, and I was facing Mance. And my opponent was a newer player to the game. He had come over from the Warhammer scene. Uh, I know he, he was there with about, he said I think he said he had like 16 friends. Most of them were at the Warhammer event, but him and one of his buddies were at the A Song of Ice and Fire event. So that's always encouraging to hear that we're gaining people from other game systems, and hopefully more of his friends will join us for A Song of Ice and Fire next year. Um, That was the game that was streamed on Sunday Slaughter, and Mance is certainly certainly intimidating. Uh, I know that he's a stronger commander than Stannis is right now, and I know that I was going to be out-activated and out-maneuvered. So I kind of I, I I pretty much I was I tried to secure the center with Stannis and Queensmen and uh, use uh, Melisandre to hit his units when they would otherwise be out of reach of my other units and I was able to luckily snipe one of his chariots early, giving me an early lead and then at that point the game shifted to my strengths where I just had to play a, a holding game of just trying to outlast my opponent through defense and healing um so i had i had great opponents in all five matches and they were each difficult and they each posed a unique struggle an obstacle for me to overcome in their own way yeah that sounds like uh sounds like quite the rundown uh and oftentimes uh when you have these these runs that you go on there's going to be those games that they're just, they could have gone either way. You know, just one dice roll goes, you know, one way or the other, or uh, one positioning is just slightly out of position for the other. Uh, but still, to come out with a 5 0 victory in that field, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty great. Proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right, and I uh, I did see the pictures after the event, the uh, the little uh, the little 
crowning ceremony and uh and then all the drinks and, and all that stuff it looked like a hell of a time i'm uh i'm bummed out that uh that i made it or that I didn't make it no I, i'd wish you could have been there too but i understand you have things uh you gotta take care of at home those come first games come second <laughs> all right so that is lvo fairly well covered while i had you here I did want to kind of discuss the state of the game as it is presently. Uh, there has been much, uh, much to to say in the discords about uh, where this damn patch is. I uh, I was pretty optimistic that the patch was going to be coming within the last couple months, and I have been proven very wrong. Then uh, the uh, the signs aren't really looking so good right now that it's going to be coming soon. But I still I still hope. The reason why it's such a big deal to me is that we've been in this state of the game for a year now. It's a it's a pretty long time and we we have our issues with the meta as it stands. Like Mance has been an issue. Uh, some things in Night's Watch have been an issue, Baratheon um and it, it it's frustrating when you you have those issues that just fester for so long. I was wanting to ask you what you think of the state of the game. If you think that this meta has kind of been solved and we know what things are as they stand, or if if you think that there's still more that we could discover with with the game as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's see. Meta as it currently stands. Um, you obviously have Mance. He's the big bad everyone talks about. Um, we we kind of also just got a breath of fresh air with Martels, though. Um, I don't know if those have come out, been released in Europe yet, but we have them here in the States, so they're still relatively new. Uh, I, I know that Harmon looks kind of strong, um, but I, I've kind of liked having, you know, getting that new faction in, I feel like, has brought some fresh blood into the game. Um in terms of figuring everything out, yeah, I feel like people know, generally speaking, what's strong and things have kind of settled. I also feel like there's there's there are some untapped builds that people haven't gotten to yet. Um, and maybe I could be wrong on this, but uh, I look at factions like... Uh, I look at factions like the Night's Watch. And uh, you have all these units that are seven points. And I think the, the, the instinct is to pick the best one of those units and, and, and you run that. You, you run that, that, that kind of dictates what your, uh, your play style and your game plan is going to be. And right now that seems to be hunters, right? So you get double hunters and you, you aim to table your opponent. And I think that kind of hamstrings a lot of Night's Watch players from alternate play styles that they might otherwise be able to look into. Uh, I played against Evan from uh, Miniac, Miniature Maniac, and he, I played him at Gen Con. He ran a double Night's Watch tracker mounted Benjen list, which I had never seen anyone run mounted Benjen before. We played Feast for Crows. I killed two of his units, and he killed zero of my units, and I lost the game because he played to the mission, which is 
not something you see Nightwatch do very often. Um, so I, I feel like there are some some units that could see more play that just don't. And I don't think it's necessarily the player's fault. I think the way list building is looked at kind of funnels players into certain play styles at times. I think trackers and Nightwatch veterans, for instance, are both good units in their own right that just kind of get overlooked right now. And I think that you could say potentially this um, this could apply to other factions as well. Yeah, I do think that we as players do get tunnel vision on some things. And we kind of you know pull focus a little bit and, and lose perspective on what the most powerful things in a faction you know, what that actually means. If you build the most powerful list that you can build and it's 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 super OP and it's gonna crush the competition, that's still only winning seventy percent of their games. We would say seventy percent win rate of a particular list is pretty OP. Mm-hmm. Uh that's not a hundred. Yeah, that's right. It could get, it could give you the best chance to win, but there's you know maybe another build style out there that could account for that other thirty sure. percent. That maybe there's a blind spot. Yeah. And conversely, you could build the most jankiest POS list that you could imagine. It's not gonna. It might lose a hundred percent of their games, but it's probably not gonna lose a hundred percent of their games. Uh, especially if you're using up all your points and actually running viable, you know, units and attachments and that sort of thing. So you can win with things that aren't, you know, the the most powerful stuff. It's just it doesn't give you the best odds to win. And 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 when you're talking, especially competitively, if you're just fooling around, just build whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But competitively, I see you you want to have the best chance to win, even if it means you know, running the things that everyone ex- expects. Unless you're willing to go ahead and throw in that curveball, that that off-meta thing that is going to counter what the meta counter was. And we're just getting into, we're really getting into the ether there when we're talking about that type of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure those type of things exist, but even so, things feel really stale. Especially for you know factions that uh, that either have been struggling for a while or they haven't really seen a whole lot of change, you know, in the last several months. Uh, looking at Greyjoys, I mean, they did receive Drowned Men recently, but that didn't really move the needle for them. Uh, Lannisters, they're they're really disappointed in their most recent boxes that they've gotten. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a struggle for some of the factions, and uh, there have certainly been some releases that have, I guess, underwhelmed would be the term yeah. here. Um, and I think people are probably more excited, even if something slightly overtuned that can be brought into line later to have a release that, um, can you know excite upon release, right? Yeah. You don't want something dead on arrival. Yep. Uh, on the flip side, you also don't want power creep, but sure, you don't want. Castle Rock Honor Guard. No, <laughs> we do not want those. Uh, take them back and, and burn them. So the reason why I bring that up is the, the, we, we have the, the 
trepidation in the chats and the gnashing of teeth about getting this patch out. And it's 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 part because we want to bring things back into a more balanced line. They've kind of gotten a little bit out of whack in some areas, but also to just reinvigorate the game, you know, inject some new life back into it and get people excited again. Because, uh, like, for me right now, I, I I like playing the game, but it's hard to get excited about it. Uh, you winning LVO is the most excite- is excitement that I've had for the game for a while. Uh, so that, that kind of tells you, you know, something, uh, I haven't played any games on online on TTS in a while. I used to play, you know, fairly often and uh, I haven't been able to make it into the store in a while, uh, for various reasons. So it, when the game gets stale and, and you start to, you start to get down a little bit about it and I'll admit it, I'm there. Uh, and it, it would it would just be nice for for you know the developers to to get some new life back into the game here with this with this upcoming patch and I hope it hits soon I really do. Yeah, as players, obviously, there's nothing we can do to speed that patch along. We can only hope that it comes when it comes. But there are a couple things we can do. I know we've been talking locally about how we can keep things fresh um, in our local tournaments. We just recently had a a 2v2 tournament, which was more for fun, less competitive, um, and we're talking about doing a starter box tournament. I know you've taken part in um, ELO events on TTS in the past, so it's times like these where you kind of see the community branch out into these alternate formats to uh, to try to keep things fresh while we await the next patch. Yep, that starter box tournament does sound fun. I'm, I'm hoping that we can get the ball rolling on that, and then the new thing that came up today, because we all have just just so much time on our hands to discuss other ways to to invigorate the game, is a uh, deck roulette. Deck trader, yeah. The deck roulette uh, format for for tournaments for the for any listeners that don't know, there wasn't that we're not watching the the chat today. The whole concept behind this is you start a game with your lists, but you're not going to have your basic deck. You're going to have another faction's basic deck, and it could be entirely random. Or you and your opponent could swap, depending on what the rules are. I think Mikel was behind this. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's so absurd to, to think about, but it's also actually quite brilliant, because it could lead to some really crazy stuff. And you could have, you know, pure disappointment that you're Night's Watch and now you have the Targaryen deck. Or you could be really excited and, and be a Targaryen and then get the Baratheon deck. I mean, it's uh, that the type of things that you could do with a concept like that, that actually does sound like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's exciting to think about what kind of crazy combos you could come up with by mixing and matching one faction's units with another faction's deck. Yep, so that is something uh, to be uh, explored, and they actually are exploring it now. They played a few trial games today on TTS. Uh, That was kind Mm -hmm. of funny to watch their little mini battle reports about how it went. I think in one instance, they both drew uh, neutral decks 
So they both end up playing huh. uh, with a neutral deck and uh, with their various factions. I can't remember which faction they both were, but that was pretty funny. No, I know Brett's high on the neutral deck right now. I, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. The neutral deck is actually really good. Uh, it's just nothing else in neutrals as, as a faction, which they shouldn't be. Well, Flayed Men are still out there. Flayed Men, but Flayed Men in a neutral list, they're okay. All right, so we have been going here for a solid uh, almost 50 minutes. Uh, we don't typically go the full two hours like the uh, the main uh, main show does when they do their live shows. So we will probably be dialing things back here. And uh, do you have anything to close with? Anything that you want to cover? So now with LVO kind of in the rearview mirror, next thing on my schedule is an upcoming tournament in Iowa being hosted by small council's very own Craig Calgruni. Um, I know you're uh, planning on going up to that um, road tripping up there with me, Cyrus, right? Yep. We're all going to get in a car and drive out in the middle of Iowa for no really good reason other than to play some song. What's better than plastic men on a tabletop? I could think of a few things. <laughs> don't don't tell Craig that though, because he's gonna get ideas. <laughs> I know he wants to play Spartacus while we're up you there. You know, I, I'll bring my good copy of Spartacus. There you go. All right. Well, that uh, that should do it for this episode of Extra Shots. Uh, thank you very much for coming on with me, Kurt. It was great talking with you. Thank you for having me on. Send my regards to Brett and Craig and all the other guys at Small Council Radio for me. They don't listen to my show, <laughs> but I'll I'll tell them. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, listeners, and I think I need another drink. still here you seem rather drunk with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.